We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to today's message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. So we're going to jump into this, but let me pray for us first. God, I thank you for, for your word. I thank you, God, that we can... We can read the Bible, Lord. I thank you that as we're in here, we, we have freedom. We don't have to worry about anybody running in here and kicking down a door or arresting us. That, God, we get to worship you freely. We get to pray to you freely. We get to receive salvation freely because of the price your son, Jesus, has paid for. God, I thank you that your presence is in this room. God, I pray today as, as we dive deep, Lord, we would see how to fight these thoughts and to know what you've called us to. And we would realize and reach our potential in you, God. And Lord, I thank you that in 13 days, Notre Dame will have a victory over Michigan. In your name, amen. See, I like being in Niles because y'all are like right by Notre Dame, right? So we got some fans in here. I like it. See, I, I actually grew up in Michigan, in St. Joe, Michigan. And that's not that far from South Bend. So you think we'd have a lot of Notre Dame fans. We still have Michigan fans. I'm like, man, I can't deal with y'all. I can't deal with you Michigan fans. I mean, but listen. Everyone's welcome here. Everyone, everyone's welcome. Everyone. Okay? I'm good. <laughs> uh, so to start this off, I, I got to lay a little bit of background when it comes to uh, some of the kings in Israel. And so Israel wanted a king. They didn't start off with a king. Okay? Their king was God. God said, I want to be the king in your life. Like, this is who I am. And so, but the people of Israel are like, no, no, no. All the other nations around us, they have a king. So we want a dude to be our king. Someone we can see, someone we can talk to, someone that's going to tell us to go left, go right, go straight, whatever it is. Like, someone that's going to lead us. And he's like, okay, that's what you want. So he gets the prophet Samuel, and he says, Samuel, this is what we're going to do. There's a, a guy by the name of Saul. Go anoint him as king. And so Samuel does that. Goes anoint Saul as king. And now, if you read the Bible, you actually see that Saul started off a very humble man. His father was a general, actually, like uh, somebody of, of a tribe that people would look up to. And Saul is made king. He's doing a really good job at first. But then he kind of starts taking things into his own hands and, because, and starts doing things that other people are supposed to be doing. And so there's one time he's getting ready to go fight the Philistines. And what happens is that Samuel said, hey, I'm going to come and bless the troops. Don't go to battle until then. Well, it becomes like a, a week later, and Samuel still doesn't show up. So Saul takes it upon himself and says, well, I'm going to make the offering. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to make the burnt offering, offer it to God so we can go out and we can fight the battle and win. And so he does that. And then from what there happens is an, within an hour of him killing, Samuel comes, and he shows up, and he says, what have you done? Now, Samuel's offering this as a way of saying that here's an out. Here's a way for you to actually confess your sins. Here's a way for you to explain what you have done. But instead, what happens is Saul starts blaming everybody else. He says, well, the Philistines, there's too many of them. The Israelites, they need help. Uh, the, the, the soldiers, they were getting ready to leave. So I did this. And Samuel says, because of that, God isn't going to bless us. And he says, matter of fact, and this is my like anti-life verse. I know a lot of people have life verses. This is my anti-life verse. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. Samuel says this to Saul. He says, God is out looking for your replacement right now. Because of what Saul did. Because Saul was trying to step into someone else's identity. Saul was trying to do someone else's job when God called him to do one specific 
job, to be king, not to be priest. And actually, when you go back and you actually look at this in the Greek, when Saul actually goes out to Samuel, as Samuel's approaching, uh, the Bible says that uh, he was going out to greet him, but this is actually a loose translation because the translation actually is that Saul went out to bless Samuel. It's almost as if Saul was taking on the identity of a priest when he was not called to be a priest. He was called to be a king. See, a lot of times we're the ones who actually forfeit our own calling and our own identity because that's exactly what Saul did. And God says, so you're losing your calling. You're losing your anointing because of that. So now we got to fast forward because now we need a king of Israel. So uh, God says, Samuel, this is what we're going to do. You're going to go to the house of Jesse, get all the boys together, let them know someone's going about to be anointed as king. Samuel does that. He goes to the house of Jesse, says, Jesse, get everyone together. Today you're about to become royalty, my man. Like you are going to be having a son that is a king. So Jesse does it. He gets all the boys together. And Samuel's like, ooh, it's got to be this one. It's got to be the oldest boy. And so look at 1 Samuel 16, verse 6 through 7. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab. And this is, again, this is Samuel looking at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. A man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. If you take a look right here, Samuel is actually doing exactly what Israel did when they're saying, we want a king. We want that dude. We want Saul to be our king. We want someone big like that, someone in stature. It's kind of like when you're doing, uh, when you're playing like flag football, you're playing dodgeball or something like that, you know, a physical sport. You're like going after the biggest dudes, right? Like you don't want the smallest person on your dodgeball team, you know? Like you want the dude with the big arm, the can of whoosh, you know, taking little kids' heads off, you know? Like that's, that's what you want. And so that's what Israel was like, man, we wanted Saul because he was big in stature, it said. It said he was good looking, he was handsome, all this stuff. And so Samuel walks in and he's seen the same things. He's like, this must be the new king. He's tall, he's handsome, this must be the guy. But God says, no, no, no. See, you're looking at the outward, but I look at the heart. Now, see, here's something that happens a lot, is that people will tell you who you are. People will put an identity on you. People will put a label on you because they see your outward appearance. They don't see your heart. See, a lot of times we buy into what people say about us from our appearance, but they don't actually see our heart. Listen, you might be listening to a, a negative talk from, from uh, someone in your past, might be a boss, might be a spouse, might be something. Listen, don't listen and don't give in to that. You need to know what does my heart look like because that's what God looks at. He looks at your heart. All right, so. Now we have uh, Samuel. He's like, okay, okay, so it's not him. All right, here we go. Let's, let's go to the next son, the next son, the next son. And it's like he's playing duck, duck, goose, right? He's going around, duck, 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 duck. Like, he's like, where's the goose? Like, like, Jesse, are these all your boys? Because God said one of your boys is about to be king, but none of these are lining up. And he said, well, actually, if you look in uh, 16 verse 11, Samuel said to Jesse, uh, are all the young men here? He said, well, there remains yet the youngest, and he's keeping the sheep. Now, this kind of reminds me of a couple of weeks ago. Me and my wife, we, uh, she, she went shopping. She went out with Gwen. Maybe it was grocery shopping. I don't know where she went. She was gone. And so I just had the baby at home. And the baby's really easy when she's sleeping, right? Like, <laughs> babies are great when they're sleeping. And uh, so she was sleeping. And uh, so I was getting stuff done, like the dishes. You know, the sink was loaded. So I, I put them in the dishwasher. I, I 
swept or vacuumed. I don't know what I did. Um, I picked up all their toys. You know, I read a little bit. I worked on a sermon. I worked out. I mowed the lawn. Like, I was just like, you know, it felt like one of those times where you just hit home run. You know, like out of the park every time. It just, it felt good. And so uh, Chrissy gets home with Gwen, and we're unloading the groceries and stuff, putting them away, putting them away, putting them away. And we're in the kitchen, and the sink is empty. There's nothing on the stove. There's nothing on the counter. So I'm like, You know, it's kind of like, did you look in the living room? Did you see the clean floor? <laughs> and after we put all the groceries away and stuff, and Chrissy's walking to the house, she's like, what'd you do while I was gone? I was like, what do you mean what I do? I did this. I'm a cleaning service. <laughs> I served you, my love. Like, I got And I was thinking about it. She didn't say anything at first, but I was expecting a response. And it's kind of like the same thing that David had to deal with here. Is that he wasn't told that he's not good enough by his dad. He wasn't told that he's too small, he's too young, any of this by his dad. There's nothing recorded in the Bible. Sometimes the words that are the loudest are the words that are not spoken at all. When my wife walked in the house and she didn't say, wow, this is amazing, this is beautiful, like, that would have spoke so loud to me because my love language is words of affirmation. Instead, it, there was no word spoken at all, and so my mind's like, did I not do good enough? Did I miss something? Is she even paying attention? Does she love me? Like, <laughs> does she know what I did? Like, and thinking about David, what he was going through here, is in his mind, he literally must have been thinking, wow, my dad doesn't think I'm good enough to be king. Wow, is, is it because I'm the youngest? Is it because he thinks I'm just going to be a shepherd all my life? Like, he, he didn't even invite me in. He didn't invite me to watch my older brothers be made king. He, didn't, he doesn't love me, does he? He doesn't approve of me. He thinks I'm a mistake. He, all the thoughts that could be going through his head that, again, are not even recorded in the Bible because Jesse never said it. He just didn't invite him. And oftentimes when things happen like that, we just have these thoughts going through our head. I mean, don't, listen. You might think I'm crazy, but have you ever had an argument inside your brain with yourself? Right. And you're crazy too. We're all crazy, you know? You have that conversation. You're like, I'm going to say this, and then she's going to say that. And then, and then I'm going to rebuttal with this, and she's going to come back with that, but then I'm going to hit him with this. And, you know, and it's just like, it's like we are crazy, you know? But that's what happens is we just have these thoughts running through our head, running through our head, running through our head. And so what we got to do is we got to realize that we can't feel sorry for ourselves and make excuses because as long as we do, we won't make any progress. As long as we feel sorry for ourselves and make excuses, we won't make any progress because David could have just sat there and be like, I'm just not good enough. I'm the youngest. They won't. Even when they go and they tell him to finally come, he could have been like, no, dad doesn't think I'm good enough. He doesn't think I'm smart enough. Doesn't think I'm big enough. I'm just going to sit here. If he would have sat there, he would not have been anointed king. He did not sit in his pity, but he got up and moved into his calling. And that is what we are to do, to not buy into the lies that are going through our mind, but to walk in the calling that God has for us. So now we know this, that David is anointed king. As a 14-year-old, did you know that? He's 14 years old when he's anointed king. He's a teenager. But 
Just because he's anointed king does not mean he is king yet. Saul is still king. And so Saul is about ready to go to war with the Philistines. And so here we can actually look in 1 Samuel 17, 3. It says, the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And so I wanted to show you guys this picture because this actually shows exactly what it looks like there today. So you see where it says Saul's camp. So obviously that's where the Israelites were. And then it says that there is the valley in between them. And the other side is the camp of the Philistines. And so this is actually a place that you can go to today and see exactly where the battle happened and David actually fought Goliath. What we have to look from this picture and realize is that battles happen in the valley. The battles don't happen on the mountaintops. Both camps were on the mountaintops, but that is not where the battle happens. And so now we have uh, David's brothers go out, and they're part of the Israel arm, or Israelite army. And so they're there, and David's dad cares about him. He's like, hey, J uh, Jesse, he's like, David, I want you to go take him some food, take him some drink, see how they're doing all that. So this is what happens. David goes, and he's checking in. Hey, how's it going? I brought you some food, blah, blah, blah. Um, how's, the, how's the battle going? All that stuff. Now check this out. In 1728, 1 Samuel, it says, now Eliab, again, this is the oldest brother. His oldest brother heard when he spoke to the men, because David was speaking to some guys, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why do you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down here to see the battle. Listen, first we have Jesse. He doesn't say anything to David, so things got to be going through his head. Now the second time that David's having a struggle with things going through his head is his brother. Isn't it funny how sometimes the ones that can cut us the deepest are the ones that are the closest to us because they don't need a big old knife or sword do they like they just need a little bitty shank because they get real close real close like i love you and just and just stick you and it hurts and it's hard a bad attitude is like a flat tire if you don't change it you won't go anywhere and that's exactly what happened to david's older brother he went nowhere he could have been made king, didn't happen because of his attitude. He could have went to this battle and started fighting Goliath, but didn't. He was sitting back, and now he's just pointing stuff out at David because of his bad attitude. Now, let's actually dissect what he says to David. He says, why did you come down here? One, we can answer that. He came to bring you food, bro. He came to bring you water. He came to see how you were doing because your dad cares about you. Uh, two, he says, and whom have you left those few sheep? If you actually turn back, it actually says in verse 20 of 17, it says, so David rose early, early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper. Like, he took care of his business, you know? Like, this isn't a surprise. That, like, David's like, I got that. Like, I'm taking care of that. And then he says, I know the pride and insolence of your heart. And David could easily be like, my heart? God chose me to be king, not you, big brother. I'm a man after God's own heart. And then he says, for you have come down to see the battle. And this is the part that gets me the most. There's no battle happening here. They're all sitting back because Goliath keeps coming and says, every morning and every night for 40 days saying, someone fight me. And there is no fighting. There's no battle. So you got the, uh, the Philistines on one side, uh, the Israelites on the other, and they're all just sitting on the bench doing nothing. And the boy says, you came to watch the battle? Bro, you're, you've taken yourself out of the battle. And David's hard posture is, listen, you're not fighting, and you're not fighting, and you're not fighting, but I'm not going to let this dude talk any more smack about my God. So I am the battle because God is with me, and he is the victory. Now, the Bible says none of that. 
I just paraphrase everything as I'm reading this, what I think David should have said. But David didn't respond at all to him. You want to know how David responded? And this is how, again, this is number two, how we got to respond to people when they're talking smack to us. Look at this. In verse 17, verse 30, super simple. Then he turned from him towards another. See, David was talking to his brother. His brother was just saying negative, 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 negative. You, 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 you. And David said, I'm not going to listen to this. I'm going to turn towards someone else who's going to speak life into my life, who's going to tell me what I need to know, what I need to hear to help me reach my identity, to help me realize and reach my potential in Christ. Too many times we hang around these people. You know you don't have to hang around your brother. David didn't hang around his brother. He turned from him. Listen, if there's someone in your life that keeps speaking negative, 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 and you keep letting them, letting them, letting them, letting them, it's like you are just sitting in a toxic environment. You are just sitting there. You got to turn from that, and you got to hear some life going into your mind. You got to move away from that. You know, it's like the theologian Taylor Swift said, you got to shake it off. (laughs) So now, now David says, I'm going to fight Goliath, all right? I have no problem with this dude. So he goes to Saul, and 1 Samuel 17, 33, it says, And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight against him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Isn't that contradictory? Like what Saul is saying here, he's like, You can't fight him because you're just young, but he's been fighting since he was young. So you're trusting the dude who's been fighting forever, but you're not trusting me. And I'm the only one who's saying I'll do something. All your, hey, Saul, your boys are back there hiding. I might be 14 years old, but at least I'll do something about this. And this is what I love about David, is that just because he was young, he didn't let someone else put their identity on him. He did not let that happen to him. And you know what he says? He responds, look at this. In verse 1736, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Guys, we got to realize that it's important to notice that believing comes before receiving. See, he had to believe that he could take down the giant before he was given the opportunity to take down the giant. He had to believe and let Saul know, hey, I've already practiced on these two animals. Who's this dude to me? Listen, you might think I'm young, but I'm well ahead of where I should be as a teenager. I'm already ready to be king, but you're still alive, so I'm not going to take your spot. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to honor that and obey that, but I'm ready to take down this giant right here. So Saul's like, okay, it's your your funeral, so this is what we're going to do. 1738 says, so Saul clothed David with his armor. Someone say his armor. Say it again, his armor. Was it David's armor? No, whose armor was it? Saul's armor. Now, Saul was in his 30s right here. David, a 14-year-old boy. Is his armor going to fit this 14-year-old boy? Not at all. And so this is what I wonder, is if we realize that Saul's armor won't fit David, we can see that physically, why are you still getting your mind someone else's personality needs to be on you that someone else's identity needs to be on you that someone else that you look up to that you're like i want to be like them be like them be like them i need to wear that wear that wear that it's not gonna fit you because you weren't called to be them just like david wasn't called to be saul 
David, we needed one David. We needed someone that was going to be a giant killer. But this is also showing, again, who Saul is. If we backtrack, we remember that Saul stepped into someone else's armor when he was just called to be king and he tried to be a priest and see what happened. He lost his anointing. If David would have walked out wearing someone else's armor, someone else's calling, he would have been killed by Goliath. This is what happens when you try to, when you, listen, it's good to admire people. It's good to look up to people. It's good to be like, man, I want to, I aspire to be like them in a way, but not to be them. You want to be influenced for a positive, but don't be, don't try to be Joe. Don't try to be Pastor Muta. Don't try to be Chrissy. Don't, listen, God made you to be you. He doesn't need two of you. Man, if he made two of me, that, that's not a good thing. Like, he doesn't need two Joes, three Joes, four Joes. He needs one Joe. And that's it. And that's probably too many Joes. You know, like, but he just needs one of you. You be you. Stop looking at everybody's Instagram. Stop looking at everybody's story. Stop looking at the life you wish you had. Man, man, there's so much, they're a better mom than me. They're a better dad than me. They're a better boss than me. They're a better football player than me. They're a better teenager. Like, listen, don't worry about them. All that you're seeing is a highlight reel. It's not real. It's not real when you're on social media. What's real is who God has called you to be so we know here in 1739 says david took off the armor it's for you and me we got to take it off stop impersonating other people stop trying to be someone else you be you and then we know that david gets a rock in a sling and we know what's about to happen with this thing right he's got the rock boom look at this little he actually gets five but i only got one i made my wife find this outside for me thank you honey you're sweet and so he goes down with a rock and a sling. And he's a 14-year-old, five-foot boy, about to take on a giant who's nearly 10 feet. Listen, like, uh, we can't really put that in perspective because we've never seen a 10-foot dude. But, like, imagine just even me standing next to uh, LeBron. LeBron's going to seem way taller than me. You know what I mean? And he's only six-something. A 10-foot dude and a 14-foot boy? That's intimidating. But for Goliath, it's not. Look how Goliath responds. He says, the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by the gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the wild. So right now we hear more words going into David's head. We hear more words. So let's, let's, let's think about this. We start off with his dad not saying anything. So words can be coming, just happening in David's mind, right? Next was his brother speaking negativity. Next was Saul who was saying, here, you need to be this. You need to be this. You need to be this, not yourself. Be someone else. And finally, we have Goliath who says, you just need to die. I don't know if you've ever been to that place where you've heard nothing from someone, so your mind's just running. Where you've heard so much from someone else, you just begin to take it on. And then you're trying to be as good as someone else, but you can't do, reach that. You can't fulfill it. You're like, why am I not doing it? Because you weren't created to. And all of a sudden, it's just negative after negative after negative after negative. And so pretty soon, you're just like, dude, I just quit. I just want to give up. I'm sick of trying. I'm sick of trying to do this. Like, God, what did you create me for? Because I thought you created me for a purpose. But I'm just hearing these thoughts in my mind that are just trying to take me down. That are trying to pull me out. That are just trying to kill me. And I just want to quit. I'm done with this life. You got the wrong guy. I'm sick of trying and trying and trying, God. I 
give up. These are all thoughts that are going on in our head. And that's why we can learn right now what David did next is what you and I have to do. And that's the title of this message. Aim for the head. He took that rock. You know what we call the Lord? He is the rock of our salvation. And David took that rock and he swung it or slung it or threw it. He did whatever. And it flew through the air and sunk into the forehead, the head of the Philistine. The same thing that you and I hear these thoughts in constantly, 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 constantly. He took the rock and threw it at Goliath's head and it knocked him down. Now, do you know that it actually wasn't the stone that actually killed Goliath. What killed Goliath was when David went and picked up Goliath's sword. Now, when you think of the sword, we actually call the Bible a sword. We also call it the Word of God. And I think this is interesting is that actually when you look at the word sword, there's actually the word word in it. And so we can actually see that David is picking up this sword and it can literally represent the Word of God and he cuts off the head of the Philistine. He cuts off the head of the giant because that's where we have to aim for is the head, these thoughts that are going through our mind. And the only way to do that is with the Lord and with the sword. No one can win the battle in their mind unless they know God's word. We just can't. We can't do it. And we know that this battle took place in a valley. Some of you are like, I'm in a valley. Listen, the valley is where you find your identity. The valley is where you find your identity. Because before he was just a shepherd boy, right? But now he goes in the valley, he cuts off the head of a giant. He's now a giant killer. That is the identity that David walked with. Even when he's older, even when he's running from Saul who goes crazy and turns on him, is that they still recognize his identity as the giant killer. See, listen, you're in a valley right now, and it's not a time to quit. It's a time to rely on the Lord, and it's a time to rely on the sword. This is what we're to do in the valley. We don't go to the valley to die. We go to the valley to be called into God's promise. We go into the valley to find our identity. We go into the valley to realize and reach our potential in Christ. That's why you and I go to the valley. Would you stand to your feet with me while we close and pray? You guys got to understand this. The opposition is actually a benefit to us because it forces us to choose to either use our faith and stand firm in Christ or to give up. That's, that's what happens when we have opposition. Oh, that's good. That's what happens when we have opposition. Think about it. I mean, football season's right around the corner. The opposition is one team is trying to advance the ball, so the other team's trying to push them back. Right now, we have a room full of people that are trying to advance the ball down the field for Christ. But here's the thing. The devil's trying to push you back. you got to understand, the reason you're in the valley is because the devil sees that you're doing something. That's why he's trying to get these thoughts in your head. That's why he's trying to get you to quit. That's why he wants you to feel like it's just time to die. So uh, there's two groups of people here today. We have those that, first of all, 
You need the Lord in your life. You need the rock. You need Jesus. And maybe you don't know who Jesus is. Maybe you don't understand why we say that the Lord is the rock. Maybe you don't understand why he is the only way to true life. But Jesus is actually a descendant of King David. So the Bible says that, uh, in uh, the New Testament says that, can anything good come out of Bethlehem? Because Jesus came out of Bethlehem, and so did David. We have two kings coming from the same area. We have King David and King Jesus. Now Jesus, though, did not come as the conquering kingdom. He came as a suffering servant. He came and he modeled love. He came and he healed those. He came and he, he helped the oppressed. He came in and he ha- had women have rights when the women did not have rights at all. He was so counterculture. And even though he, he lived an amazing life that so many people wanted to be like him, the Pharisees, the priests of the day, they hated him. And so they end up killing Jesus. But it was all part of a plan. When you look at the overall scheme of things, is that this was God's plan from the beginning because you and I, we can't do anything with our sin. We have sin in our lives. Listen, you might be the best person in the world, but here's the truth. You're born a sinner. Nobody had to teach you to lie, right? The other day, my my oldest daughter is trying to take something from my youngest. Not my oldest. I'm not talking about the (laughs) 21-year-old. My four-year-old. She's trying to take something from the youngest. And she snags and the youngest one just starts crying. I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go. But I didn't have to teach Gwen, my four-year-old, how to steal. It came natural because we're sinners. But how do we get rid of our sin? We can't. And what happened in the Old Testament is they had to constantly have sacrifices and have this blood cover them so they could, they could have their sin washed away just from year to year to year to year. But God says, I don't want my people to have to do that. I'm going to have one cost, one payment forever, and it's Jesus because he's perfect. He never sinned. He's called the spotless lamb, so he will go to the cross and he will die. His blood will be shed for you so you don't have to worry about your sin. And the Bible says that he actually became sin. The one who is spotless, the one who's perfect, became sin so you could become spotless, so you become perfect. But the good news is, is that Jesus Christ, he didn't just die, and that's the end of the story. We know that three days later after Jesus went to the tomb, he rose to show that I conquered death, I conquered sin, I conquered the grave, and I'm the one who can bring you life. Life that is better than any life you can imagine. He's the only one. And so if you've been in this this life, just trying to figure out, man, I just don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to get past this. I don't know how to move past this. And you're not a Christian. Listen, the way past is Jesus the rock. And I'm going to have everybody bow their heads. I want to make this just personal. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, the rock of your life, and today you want to say, Jesus, cleanse me of my sin, I just want you to have you raise your hand right now. Nobody's looking around. Just between you and God. Awesome. There's one hand. There's two hands. Three hands. Four hands. Five hands. Thank you, Jesus. Six hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Seven. Thank you, Jesus. This is what we're going to do. you got to put your hands down. No one looking around still. Would you all just pray this with me out loud? Say, Jesus, I need you. Save me from my sin. Save me from my own self-destruction. I need you. I need your life. I need your forgiveness. I need your love. I, lo- I need your mercy today make me new
wash the sin off. Make me whole again. In your name, amen. Listen, here's the second one. I've been scripture for a while because I said that there was going to be like two groups, all right? So we just had death to life. Can we give up for everybody that just gave their life to Christ? Absolutely amazing. But here's the second group. The second group is everyone that is a Christian. Because we know we already got to throw the rock that is the Lord at the devil's head. But that what we have to do is understand that the rock, Jesus will knock the devil down, but you got to be the one that come and kills him. All right? You got to be the one that comes and stomps on him. You got to take the sword and cut the head off. Cut that out of your mind. So this is a challenge for every believer in this place. Is that when you start having those words run through your head, you got to go to the sword. You cannot cover up the words and the thoughts in your mind with nice thoughts. You can't. You can't cover it up. You can only cut it out. And this is how you cut it out. By knowing the word of God. And so this is my challenge to you. Whenever you're having an issue and you have these negative thoughts of something that, that your mom said, a coach said, that you're saying to yourself, whatever it is, you need to literally Google scripture because I'm sure you don't know where to begin in this thing because a lot of people don't. So literally Google scripture. What does the Bible say about blank? Whatever you're struggling with. Because maybe you're struggling with, again, your identity. And it's going to say who God says that you are. Maybe you're struggling with uh, being a parent. It's going to say what God calls you to be as a parent. Maybe you're struggling with depression. It's going to help you through that list. I'm telling you what, the Bible has the answers to these thoughts that are run through our mind. We just have to take this step and say, God, speak to me. Show me how to wield this sword. And this is, this is what I do, all right? Seriously. I write down that scripture on a, uh, a note card, and I'll keep it in my book bag, I'll keep it in my pocket, and when I'm driving in my truck and I'm going to work, I'll take it out, and I'll look at it, and I try to memorize it, memorize it, front and back, memorize it, memorize it, so then whenever that attack happens, I already got the scripture in here, I already got the scripture ready to go, that's what we have to do, let me pray for you, would you all lift your hands for me, God, I just pray for every hand lifted in this place. Every believer, Lord, everyone that needs to know your word is what cuts the enemy's head off. Lord, that we would get your word deep into our hearts so when the enemy tries to attack, we can right away go to your word and we can capture those wicked thoughts. We can capture what the enemy says and we can believe in you. God, I pray for your word to come more alive to everybody in this room. I pray for your word to become more real, more evident, uh, uh, understood more clearly to everyone in this room, that we would hunger for you, God. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at given.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.